We're going to continue with our Go series. So J.T. Meyer is going to be talking with you this morning. So welcome him, please. Thanks, guys. How's everyone doing? Good. Am I on? Okay, cool. I couldn't hear myself. Um, hey, I am really excited about this series. We just started last week, the series Go. Um, and, and just to be honest, I don't know if I've been as excited for a series ever. Like this one, I, I'm, I'm, uh, it's just the stuff we're going to be talking about has really been on my heart for, for a number of years. And, and um, I know talking to a lot of people in the church, it's been on your heart too. And it's going to be a fun series. I want to really encourage you to try to make it to each and every weekend service because this is going to be really uh, just important cultural uh, things that we talk about. That's, that's the, the technical term, things. Um, but I'm, I'm just really excited about it. And basically what we're going to be talking about is, is this. A lot of times when we think about the Christian faith and we think about what it means to be a Christian, we think about um, the rules, Right? We think about the, you know, what we're supposed to do and the, the, the things that we're supposed to avoid, the, the big do-nots in the Bible, um, and we forget, or may, maybe we're just completely unaware, but we forget that God has a calling on our life, and he's inviting us into a relationship with him. He's inviting us into a relationship with him. And this is, this is amazing. This is what separates Christianity from, from literally every other major world religion. It's that every, every other religion will tell you, you know, you have to do these things to, to get to heaven. Or, or you, you must avoid these things if you want to meet God. Or, or to, to reach enlightenment or, or nirvana or, or whatever it is, you've got to do these list of things. But the cool thing about Christianity is it's not about what you do. It's, it's about what Jesus did. It's about what Jesus did, and he's inviting you into a relationship. And listen, we'll get, we'll get into the things that we, we are called to do, but it's, at its core, it's not about what we do. It's about what he did. And not only has God called us to be in this relationship with him where he wants to, wants to just love on us and have this, this, this one-on-one relationship, he's also invited us to join in with what he's doing which is so exciting and so amazing that he's called us to just come along and do what he's doing. He's on a mission, and he's saying, come on, do it with me. He's called us to do something. There's a mission that, that he has given to us, and it's not to, 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 to live a good life. You know, the call on our life is not to try to avoid these things and make sure you show up to church on Sunday. That's not the call on our life. Those are, those are good things. But the call in our life is essentially this. It's to be a disciple. He's called us to be disciples. And a disciple is one, essentially, it's, it's, it's just a word that it means a follower. It means someone who, who models their life after someone else. Someone who, who links their life to someone else. And there's so many cool stories. If you just do some research on, on just what it meant in the ancient Near East in the first century, what it meant to be a disciple. There's so many cool things. We're going to be going into those things. 
But in Matthew 28, Jesus kind of gives the, the, the kind of bare bones, basic job description of what it means to be a disciple. And this is what we're basing this whole series on. He gives us our job description. This is the actually, actually the last things he said while he was on earth. In Matthew 28, he says this. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. We're basing a whole series on that one sentence. Go and make disciples of all nations. He's saying a disciple is one who makes more disciples. We're called to make disciples. So over the next number of weeks, um, up until Easter, we're going to be talking about what that looks like. What it looks like to make disciples and to be a disciple. And this week, we're going to be talking about the initial stages of, of making disciples. We're going to be talking about like the, the, the entire lifespan of making disciples and then nurturing disciples. But today, we're going to be talking about the initial stages. How do we reach people who, who aren't followers of Jesus, who aren't in that relationship with Jesus? How do we reach people who aren't Christians? This is, this is something, uh, a, a subject that's commonly known as evangelism. And evangelism, you know, before we dive into it, I just want to address and just acknowledge that it's a loaded word. It's a loaded word. For some, it has really negative connotations. And, and for others, we, we, you know, we've read tons of books, we've heard tons of teachings, and, you know, we, we know... Lots about evangelism, and we have lots of ideas. But here is what I want to do. I just want to invite you guys, whether or not you know nothing about evangelism, you, like you're, you may not even be a Christian. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, thanks for coming. We really welcome you. We're really glad that you're here. Or, or if, you, if you've been a Christian for like 100 years, I don't know if there's anyone, anyone Christian for 100? Um, I just want to invite us all to come into this with an open mind. Let's come, and, and I really believe that God wants to speak something fresh into us, uh, not only this morning, but, but in this series. And I really believe God is speaking this morning. So let's open, open our minds, open our ears. Because for many of us, um, you know, like I said, some of us have no idea what evangelism is. We've, we, we haven't even heard that word. But for others, you know, we have lots of we have lots of ideas about programs or systems or, or, or different things that we do for evangelism. Um, and I've read lots of books on evangelism. I've heard lots of teachings. Let me just say this. A lot of the things that I hear about evangelism, frankly, I think is unbiblical. Um, and some of the stuff we hear about evangelism, it might not be unbiblical, but it's just not effective in our culture. So what I hope to do this morning is to kind of just reframe the idea of it, not change the core of it, but just maybe reframe it a little bit, redefine it in a way that can be really helpful. Um, so essentially, the word evangelism, it literally means, it means the proclamation or the sharing of the good news. That's the literal meaning of it, the sharing of the good news or the gospel. You know, the word evangelism is found 55 times in the New Testament. It's a lot. It's found 55 times in the New Testament. And, and the theme of evangelism is found countless times. 
It's found all over, just the, the idea of, of sharing the gospel with people. And essentially, if we want to strip down and look at the bare bones definition of what evangelism is, it's basically this. It's simply telling people about Jesus. It's telling people who he is, what he's done, and, and, and inviting them into a relationship with him. It's simple. It's telling people about Jesus who he is, what he's done, and inviting them into relationship. That seems really simple, but where it gets complicated is actually doing it. It's easy to talk about it. It's, it's sometimes hard to do it, right? So today, what I want to do is look at three things that can hopefully help us in the doing it part. Um, and and hopefully, hopefully it'll kind of reframe and give us some, some new ideas. But before we jump into that, let me just pray real fast and invite the Lord here. Oh Lord, I, I just know that we have people here from all walks of life. And we all call, come from different places and have different backgrounds. And, and um, Lord, I just pray that you, you speak to each of us individually. Lord, I pray that uh, the words that you've placed on my heart, I can just communicate clearly, and, um, and I just pray that you speak the exact words to, to each person that they need to hear this morning. In your name, amen. So let's just dive right in to, to, to the notes here. The first thing I want to talk about, if we look at Matthew 28, that, 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 that call that we're, that we're all supposed to have, it says, go and make disciples of all nations, Right? So the first thing I want to look at is the idea that we're called to make disciples and not get decisions. We're supposed to be looking for disciples and not decisions. Here's what I mean by that. I need some audience participation. So raise your hand if you can remember the exact date and time that you became a Christian. Raise your hand. Right, a handful of us, maybe, maybe, I don't know, less than a quarter of us. For the rest of us, um, myself included, I can't remember, or I don't exactly know when the exact time was or the exact date was. It was kind of this process. It was kind of this, this journey where I was on where I can't pinpoint the exact time where I became saved. You know, my dad, he can tell you the day, he can tell you the weather, he can tell you what he was wearing, the conversation that was, that was happening when he, when he decided to become a Christian. But for, for, for myself, for my mom, for a lot of you guys, apparently, it was just kind of this, this weird kind of journey that you were on, Right? And here's the problem. Here's why this is so important. Because a lot of times when we think about evangelism, we tend to think about it as this, this event that happens in someone's life. This, this decision that they make, this prayer that they say, this, this conversion moment in their life. And, and if we look in the Bible, if we look in our everyday lives, we don't always see that. Sometimes we do. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. Sometimes we definitely see this moment where we cross this line in the sand. And I think maybe in God's eyes, there's a moment where we cross a line. But for a lot of us, we don't know exactly when that was. We were just kind of moving towards Jesus and kind of, and, and then, I don't know. Does that make sense? Do you guys know what I'm saying? 
Biblically, what we typically see is Jesus inviting people to come follow him. Just this open invitation, come follow me. He doesn't necessarily say you need to believe the right things. You need to believe these these five important doctrinal uh, things. And he doesn't say you need to, you know, necessarily change these things in order to follow. He just has this, come follow me. Come on, come follow me. And listen, before I go any further, let me just, let me just clear, set some of your minds at ease. I, th- I think believing the right things is extremely important. Believing the right things is very important. And, and our behavior is extremely important. And the Bible says a lot about both of those things. But what I'm saying is I don't know if those things are a prerequisite to the following, to following Jesus, to, to drawing near to him. It's in the following Jesus, it's in going towards Jesus that our beliefs can can change. It's in the following Jesus that our behaviors begin to change. You know, if we we look at the story, I want to look at the story of of Matthew. Matthew is one of the 12 disciples. He was the author of the book of Matthew, and he was one of Jesus' main guys. He was, he, was, he was one of Jesus' main dudes. And if we look at this story, it's really cool. Matthew was a really important guy in Jesus' inner circle. But do you guys know? Don't answer it if you do. But do you know who, who Matthew was before he became a disciple? Let's look at it. Let's look. And we're going to look at it from Matthew's perspective. We're going to read, read the book of Matthew here. But in Matthew chapter 9... Says so as Jesus went on from there, he's going around doing his ministry. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Let's stop for a moment. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector. This is really important. And for those of you who know what tax collectors are, and for those of you who don't know, I'm just going to explain for, for, for just a second. A tax collector were essentially the lowest of the low. They were despised. They were hated. If you became a tax collector, you were basically kicked out of your family. You weren't allowed to go into the temple anymore. You were, you were kicked out of the faith, essentially. And because the reason is, is they were Jewish people and, 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 and who uh, sold out to Roman rule. Remember, Rome was the occupying uh, force over, over the Jews at that time, and they were essentially people who said, hey, we're going like, to link up with the Romans and exploit the Jews and get money out of them and cheat them. And so they were just hated. They were looked at as traitors, as just horrible, horrible people. They were hated. And Matthew was a tax collector. So let's, let's keep on looking. So it says, Matthew is sitting at the tax collector booth, and follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. So what, is, what does Jesus say to Matthew, this tax collector? This, this despised man, this rejected, you know, kind of just awful person. He says, follow me. Follow me. It's a simple call. Come on. Come draw near to me. Come get close. He doesn't say, Matthew, listen. Here are the the things that you need to believe, Matthew. 
If you can just believe this stuff, then come and follow me. And he doesn't say, Matthew, if you can, you know, turn away from this, and if you can stop doing this, then you can come follow me, and I'm going to check up on you in a week, and we'll see if you're, you're, you know, keeping true to No, he just says, follow me. Come on. Come, come on, Matthew. And this is the call that Jesus has for us. He's just saying, invite people to come follow him. Invite people to come look at Jesus and draw near to him. And some of us, we're hearing this and we're hearing the implications of this and we feel, no, that's, you're making it too easy. You're, 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 you know, you're just like, you gotta, it has to be, you know, you gotta believe these things and do these things and, and that's just way too easy. And let me just say this, the religious people at the time didn't like this either. They didn't like that Jesus was just saying, come on, come on. Everybody. In fact, if we read further in the story, you'll see Ma- uh, Jesus went and hung out at Matthew's house, which was a big deal, and, and hang- hung out with tons of tax collectors and all kinds of people. And the religious people hated it. They hated it. They said, come on, man. This is not what we're supposed to do. These, you, you know who these people are. But Jesus just does this over and over again. If we read through his story, he's just continuously going to like the most broken, rejected, despised people and just saying, come on, follow me, follow me. He's in, he invited Matthew into this journey, into this relationship to come and follow him and get closer. And it's in that journey it's in the following where Matthew, his behaviors began to change. His beliefs began to change. He became a different person than he was on that day. Matthew began to grow. Matthew became the apostle Matthew, the writer of the gospel Matthew. But on the day that Jesus invited him, he was a tax collector. But he was still invited to come. And I know for, 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 for myself and many of us, our, our, our kind of Western way of thinking about it is, come on, man, there's got to be a system of things. Like, if you've you got to cross this line, you've got to say this, and then you're a follower. You've got to get people to say this exact prayer. You've got to lead people through this. But Jesus doesn't have a problem with the muddiness of just saying, come on, come on, everybody, come on, get close to me. Come follow me. And I, I can struggle with that muddiness. That's hard for me. But in some ways, it's so freeing. It's so freeing to know that I, I can remember that in, in like when I, from having a conversation with someone who's not a believer, it's not that I have to get them to believe something or, or get them to admit something, but I can just get their hearts to soften towards Jesus. If I could get them to turn their gaze to, to, to how beautiful Jesus is, how wonderful he is. Because I can, let me just, I can be somewhat convincing sometimes. And I, could, I, can, I can challenge someone, and they may change their behavior, but there is nothing, there is nothing in, in the universe that's as appealing and as much of a change agent as the spirit of the living God. He is what changes us. You know, I have this friend who I've known 
since middle school, and, and he, was, he was an agnostic, which, which means he basically just had no opinion about God. Actually, that's not the definition of agnostic, but that was kind of his definition of agnostic. He just had no opinion about God. He just didn't care one way or another. He just didn't really have an opinion. And we began <coughs> over our friendship, <coughs> excuse me, to just kind of start talking about, you know, the, the big questions in life. You know, the why are we here's, what are we, what are we supposed to do, what happens when we die, is there a God, those kind of questions. And <clears throat> I started to kind of introduce Jesus to him. And, and he began to really, really love the, the, the stories of Jesus began to really have this affection towards Jesus. And, and I asked a few times if I could pray for him and, and just invite the Holy Spirit to come. And he ended up having these pretty powerful interactions with Jesus and began to really like Jesus. But he, the problem was is he had some major problems with some of the theology in the Bible. He had some major issues and major questions with Scripture. And, and for, you know, I just said to him, I said, look, man, and we would argue about it sometimes, we would discuss it, and, and I felt like the Lord led me this, this one day to just say, look, let's put all of that stuff aside. Let's put all of the questions aside. Do you want to draw near to Jesus? Do you want to go towards him, or do you want to just go away from him? What do you want? And he was like, I want to go towards him. I, I, I really like him. And I don't know, you know, technically what happened on that day. I don't know exactly, but I know on that day he started this journey going towards Jesus. And today he's a youth pastor. He's worked out a lot of those issues. And he, in that journey, his, his beliefs began to change. His behaviors began to change. And he, but he, on that day he decided he wanted to go towards Jesus. And this is, this is what we're inviting people to do. We're inviting people to come towards them. We're inviting them into a, a, a life, not, not a decision. We want to make disciples, not decisions. Let me, let me show you this little chart that I think can be really helpful. This is called the Engel Scale. Have you guys ever heard of the Engel Scale, some of us? This is, it's, it's not a science. It's not 100% accurate with every single person that you ever meet. But what's helpful about this is it kind of shows us that it's not just this one line that you're either in or you're out, but there's this progression. There's this kind of journey that people go. There's these steps. And what's helpful about that is, is if I'm having a conversation with someone who has no awareness of God, and by the end of the conversation, you know, they might go to, you know, to having some interest in Jesus, that's huge. That's huge. There, there's taking steps. And we can, we can celebrate that. And we can, we can be excited about that. And it's also helpful to kind, of, we, we, to kind of get to know some of these things. So when we're talking to someone, we can kind of think uh, mentally where they are. And so we can, it kind of frames where we start in the conversation. But we're not going to go super deep into the Ingle scale. But I just want to say we, on the info desk, we have them printed out uh, you can take a copy with you and look at it. I think it's really helpful. And it's, it's important for us to realize that we don't just put someone into a formula. Jesus didn't put people into a formula. 
It's not simply about getting someone to say a, a prayer. It's about inviting people into a journey. It's saying, you want to follow him? Do you want to meet Jesus? Come on. It's inviting people on the path to become a disciple and walking that path with them. All right, so the next idea I want to talk about is this. And we see this really clearly in this story. The next idea is this. We want to build bridges and not build barriers. Bridges, not barriers. We're... This is, this is so important, guys. We are not looking as Christians to protect ourselves from the world. We're not looking to build walls and to close people out, the, the, you know, the, you know, whoever they are. We're, we're looking to build bridges to people, to engage with people, to connect with people. We're looking to make bridges and not just bridges so that we can engage with people, but we are looking for bridges for people to connect with Jesus. We're looking for that, that spot in their, their life that we think, oh, that's where Jesus wants to meet them. That's the bridge. That's the bridge. What truth about God does this person need to hear? What do they need to hear about Jesus? What do they need to hear about faith? What do they need to hear about the Bible? Where's the bridge? Because sometimes in evangelism, we act like the only truth about God is that we are sinners and he's forgiven our sins. And that is true. I'm not saying that that's not true, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever say that, but that's not the only truth about God, is it? Like, does this person need to hear that God is in control? That God is, is, is a sovereign God who's in control and he's powerful and he sees them. Does this person need to hear about forgiveness? Does this person need to hear about how much God loves them and values them? Again, with, with Matthew, we don't see him, Jesus going to Matthew and saying, you're pretty messed up, man. But, you know, you can do these things and come follow me. We don't, we don't see him saying, like, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself, Matthew. He doesn't, he doesn't even address that stuff. What does he say? He says, follow me. Come on, follow me. Jesus is offering an invitation. He's building a bridge to Matthew. And listen, I'm not saying we, we, we don't talk about sin. If you've heard me preach, you've probably heard me talk about sin. But I'm not saying we don't talk about that, but maybe we don't lead with it in every conversation. Yeah, amen. And I know some of you are thinking of stories where Jesus was really harsh with people. And he was, man. You read the Jesus, I think sometimes we can think of him as this hippie that's just like, hey, he was harsh with people. He did draw some really clear lines. But typically, almost exclusively, the people that he was harsh with were the religious people. Or the people that he was really, really close to. He was really harsh on his, on his buddies. But to the outsiders, to the people who were marginalized, to the people who were outside of the faith, he was so inviting. 
He was so, just come on, come on, come near. With, with lepers, with, 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 you know, sinners, with, with tax, who, just come close to me. I want to eat with you. I want to, I want to, I want to be in your life. And this is what he's calling us to do. You know, and just to kind of, you know, a lot of times, I think this really got big in the 50s, and we still do it today, is we have this idea, and it's not, it's not wrong, but we have this idea of that we are supposed to defend our faith. And we, we are, we're taught how to argue our faith with people. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying I don't think it's very effective in our culture anymore. If we, could, if we could get away from that way of thinking just a little bit, because in our culture, you know, we're, we're what's known as a post-Christian society. There's a lot of controversy about that term, but essentially here's what it means. It doesn't mean that we've gotten past Christianity. It just means basically that everyone has pretty much heard about Christianity, right? Like there was a time where you could probably walk up to someone and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? And they'd be like, who? Like, what? No. But nowadays, most people have heard about the Bible. They've heard about church. They've heard about Christians. They've heard about Jesus. And you know what their opinion is about Christianity? You know what their opinion about the church is? For the most part, you look at just study after study, and you see words like bigot, and you see words like intolerant, and you see words like judgmental, and you see words like hypocrites. I, th- I think our culture has heard a lot from the church about how we disagree with them. I think they're frankly sick of hearing it. I think what people mostly need to hear today is how much God loves them how much they're valued by God. And it doesn't mean we're watering down anything. It doesn't mean we're changing the message. We're just, again, we're not leading with the fact that we're all sinners. Maybe we're leading with the fact that, with, do you know that Jesus sees where you are and he loves you? Do you know that he has a plan for your life? Do you know that he is, he's inviting you into this amazing journey? And again, it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't call us to change. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have standards for us to live by. But we're called to make bridges and not barriers. And what's the bridge to our culture today? We're not called to bunker down and protect ourselves until Jesus comes back. To keep the bad people away so they don't give us their, you know, sinner germs or whatever it is. It's not so we can, you know, try to be as good as you can. And listen, I'm not making fun of it. It's, I really, I, I try to live a holy life. I try to make good decisions, and that's great. But that's not the prime thing we're called to do. We're called to build bridges to people. To people that have been marginalized, to people who are different than us, people who believe different things, people who act differently than us. Because that's what Jesus did, and that's what he's calling us to do. We're we're supposed to to build bridges to Muslims. Not not keep them away from us. 
We're called to to build bridges to homosexuals. We're called to build bridges to atheists. We're called to build bridges to the people who have been pushed away and say, come meet Jesus. And and, and Jesus is what changes people. I, I know in my life, and I imagine a lot of people can attest to this, Jesus does a really good job of pointing out where I'm, I'm failing and what, what, I, what I need to change and where I need to grow. And I'm not saying we can't do that with our brothers and sisters, but we do it so much with people on the outside. And I think we need to start building bridges to them. You know, you may work with someone who is just kind of out of control, who's just a huge partier and is like drunk every night and sleeps around and is just crazy. And instead of just being like, I don't want to associate with that person. Maybe think, how, where, where's the bridge? What, are the, what does this person need to hear? What, what void are they trying to fill in their life that Jesus can meet? You know, you may live next door to a super outspoken atheist, like an evangelistic atheist. And instead of like, you know, just turning the other way when you, when you see him or, or, or uh, you know, arguing with him, how can you love him? How can you love him? There's a guy that I know, he's in the, the Vineyard Movement. Uh, his name is, is Rick Love. He's a really cool guy. and He has led you know, I don't know how many, but countless Muslims to the Lord. He's, he's just has a heart for Muslim people, and he's led all these Muslims to the Lord. And I, and I got to talk with him this summer, and I just asked him, I said, how, what, what are you doing? How are you leading all these Muslims to Jesus? And he said, it's, it's actually kind of easy. Um, Muslims really like Jesus. So most people don't know this, but Muslims really like Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus is God, but they like him. They, they think he's a, one of the top prophets. And so I start there. And I say, hey, you like Jesus? I love Jesus too. Let's talk about how much we like Jesus. And we just start talking about what we, what we agree in. I build a bridge. He's building a bridge. He's not starting with where we're different. He's starting, you like Jesus? Awesome. building bridges. I have another friend, I have this couple that lives in Clintonville, and uh, a number of years ago, they had like a legit, hardcore uh, Satanist move in across the street, and they were a little bit freaked out. They have little kids, and they're like, oh, I don't, how do we handle this? And they just felt like really strongly, we should just love him as much as possible. We should just be as kind and loving to this guy as possible. So, like, the week that he moved in, they went over and, like, brought him brownies and cookies and did all this stuff where they were just super, and he was, like, one of the guys, like, wears all black and, like, totally creepy looking, and they were just constantly just loving him and being super kind to him, and they would invite him over for dinner and, like, you know, scones in the morning, and uh, like around winter, they would like uh, shovel their driveway, and they would go shovel his driveway too, and they began to have a really close friendship with this guy, and after a few years of doing this, they actually led him to the Lord. 
Yeah, and, and, and it was so cool. The guy now, he's, he's like a, he, he goes to, to Central Vineyard, and he'll tell you, he's like, when I moved in, like, I knew right away that this was a Christian family, and I was just watching them, waiting to call them out on their hypocrisy and waiting to tell them how judgmental they are and all of these things, but they just loved me, and my heart began to soften. And they were building bridges, they could have missed an awesome opportunity. The way we treat people, the way we act with people, the way we talk with people, we, we're looking to build bridges. It's so important. The way you conduct yourself in business, the way you talk, gossip or not gossip, when you ask for forgiveness, when you blow it. Sometimes it's just it's really simple things. Just being intentional, just mentioning the fact that you go to church is a great little bridge to build. Like how many, how many of us know our neighbors? How many of us, you know, really know the people we work with and they know what we're all about? Because maybe just a great bridge for them is seeing a Christian who's not a jerk. That might be a great bridge. It's not putting into formulas. It's building bridges and seeing how Jesus wants to meet this person. And Paul was amazing at this. This is what Paul was all about. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I love what Paul says here. He just makes it really clear. He says, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessing. Everyone, everything, everything. He is trying to do anything he can. He's trying to connect with anyone. He's trying to find common ground with every person he comes in contact with. He's building bridges. There's a story with Paul. I love this story where he's in Athens. Um, and if you know about the religion in Athens at that time, it was like super polyth polytheistic. And they just had all these statues to, to all these gods. And there was this one statue inside of this temple that Paul went into, which is really cool in and of itself that he was like, I'm going to go here and try to connect with these people. But there's this one statue that had this inscription that said, statue to the unknown God. And Paul said, aha, I can build a bridge. So instead of saying, guys, you have way too many gods and, and you guys believe the wrong things about this, he said, here's a bridge. And he said, hey, guys, you have this statue to the unknown God. I can tell you who that God is. And that's all. He was building a bridge. He was building a bridge. He was trying to find, what do we, well, where's, the, where's the place where they'll listen to me? We're looking to build bridges and not barriers. All right, let's move on. The last point I want to talk about, there's kind of a, a caveat to it. There's a little bit of an asterisk, and I'll explain why, but I think it's extremely helpful. Uh, the last point is this. We want to be heart-to-heart -heart and, and not door-to-door. Heart-to-heart and not door-to-door. -door. Here's what I mean. For some reason, I don't know why, um, but when we think about evangelism, we, we tend to think about uh, talking to strangers about Jesus. So it's, it's a lot of times the, the thought that comes into our mind is going to talk to strangers about Jesus. And we, th we have these pictures of the, the reason I said door-to-door -door is because we have the pictures of going door-to-door -door saying, 
Do you have a moment to talk about Jesus? Okay, no. Do you have a moment to talk about now? Okay. Um, or, you know, standing outside a Kroger and handing out tracts, little pamphlets about Jesus, or, or going to, uh, you know, a busy street corner and, and, and preaching the gospel. And those things are evangelism. I'm not making fun of them, and I'm not saying they're bad. I just, I honestly don't think they're very effective anymore. Um, but here's where I, w- I want to kind of change our, our mindset. Uh, Typically, not always, but typically the people that God is calling us to share our faith with, to invite into into this journey with Jesus, are the people who are already in our lives. The people that we already have a connection with or have an easy uh, connection to to, to make, like someone who's living next door. We might not know them, but it would make sense for us to get to know that person. And it's not a, necessarily the stranger at the mall. Who, it's like our neighbors, our, our brother-in-law, our co-workers. You know, the waitress at the restaurant you go to every morning. If we committed to, to sharing our faith with those people, that would be just like an amazing place for us to start. And not only would it be a great place to start, but I really think it's more effective, too. Because I, I, you, you, I find that people are way more likely to hear what I have to say when they know that I care about them. When I've built some equity with them, and they know that I'm, I'm not judging them, and I love them, and I, and, I, and I really care about their relationships and all these things. They're way more likely to hear what I have to say than some stranger on the street. And I know, I say this knowing that I can tell you stories about the, Jesus telling me to talk to a stranger. He does, and we, we do need to talk to strangers. But that shouldn't be the focus. The focus is on the people in our everyday life. The Lord really showed me this a number of years back. I have I've kind of always had a heart for evangelism, but I didn't see much fruit for a long, long time. And not until I really, the Lord really put it on my heart to start focusing on the people that I work with. To talk to the people that are in my everyday life about Jesus. And I started to see tons of people starting to give their life to, to the Lord and start coming towards the Lord. And I, I'm not sure, I don't know if you've heard of the term divine appointments. This is a term I hear a lot, and I, I like this term. Um, and it basically means situations that God, you know, divinely appoints for us to love someone or to be loved by someone or to bless someone or to be blessed. And, and I think it's a good term. But one thing where I think it's, it's, it's kind of uh, done a little bit of damage is a lot of times we're waiting for these divine appointments to share our faith or to talk to someone about Jesus. We're waiting for these, these times where it's like, oh, this time has been ordained by the Lord for me to share, and I heard a voice from the cloud. And, and, and here's, here's what I think would be so helpful, and this is what's been really helpful to me. I sincerely believe that God is working in every single person's life. Here's a, good, here's a good indication to know if God is working in someone's life. If they are breathing, God is working. And actually, probably if they're not breathing, God is still working. But listen, God is doing something with everybody. 
Anyone you come in contact with, God is calling them. God is speaking to them. God is doing things for them and to them and with them. And it is our job to bless that. So instead of just waiting for divine appointments, start looking at maybe every appointment is divine. Maybe every person that's in your life, God wants there. And and there's some way for you to bless what God is doing in their life. To point people to Jesus, to help people see his majesty, his beauty, his forgiveness, his kindness. Again, not to corner them, not to to get them to, to, to feel stupid about what they believe or to argue with them, but to show them how good Jesus is, how much he loves them. Because if you, today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know how good he is. You know how kind he is, how tender he is. And just how wonderful it is to be in that relationship with him. And I just want to encourage you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you don't just know that in the pit of your heart and just the deepest part of who you are, press into that. Because that's where, honestly, that's where I feel not only evangelism, but that's where everything starts is knowing who he is and how he sees you. How much he loves you. Remember last week we talked about the coming and going, that the, the kind of way it looks to be a disciple is to draw near to Jesus and to receive from him, to receive his love, to receive his mercy, to receive his grace, his forgiveness, his, his, his power, and then go and give it away come to him and then to go to receive and give it away. I love what Jesus says in, 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 in Matthew again. It says, you know, as you go, as you're doing this stuff, as you go and you're proclaiming this message that the kingdom of heaven has come near, that I'm close, that I'm drawing near, and you're doing the stuff, you're healing the sick, you're you're raising the dead, you're cleansing those who have leprosy, and you're driving out demons, you're doing all of this stuff. He said, remember this, freely you have received. Freely give. We need to receive. We need to freely receive from the Lord and then just not stop there. So many times we just stop there. We just, come on, Lord, come, give me this, and we just stop. But he gives to us so we can give it away. So if you're in a place in your life where you you don't feel like you're receiving, maybe it's because you're not giving it away. God is calling us to be a funnel and not a bucket. He wants to flow through us to bless the world, to bless the people around us. So let me ask you this as we finish. Who are the people in your life that Jesus is asking you to share this with, to, to give it away to? Is it your... You know, a sibling, is it a neighbor? Is it the barista at Starbucks that you see every day? Is it your coworker? You know, your buddy that you've known since high school? Who is it? Just ask for the Lord to start putting those people in your mind. And I believe actually right now people are coming to your mind for a lot of us. And, and I just want to encourage you to just, if, it's, if they're not yet, just ask the Lord to start bringing those people into your mind, and then when you come into contact with them, that you'll be like, oh, 
this person. Let's share, share God's love with this person. And I know the verse in Matthew 28 says, go to all nations. But let's start with our families. Let's start with our neighbors. Let's start with what's right in front of us. And we're going to talk about going to all nations. And that's a call. And we should be going to strangers and, and people in Brazil and people in China and all over the world. But let's start with the people who are right in front of us. Let's not forget about them. And, and just for a second as we end off, I just want to say this really quick. If, if, if you're here this morning and you aren't a follower of Jesus, I just want to speak to you for a second and just say, Jesus loves you so much. Jesus is so for you. He is, he is like so desperately in love with you. And I know that, you know, you think Christians are, are hypocrites, and we are. And I'm sorry, I really am. If you've, been, if you've been hurt by the church, if you've been, you know, hurt by Christians, I, I sincerely, I mean, I sincerely apologize and ask you for forgiveness from the bottom of my heart. But I, I want you to, to, to please just hear me as I say this. Please don't judge our Savior. Please don't judge Jesus based off of what we've done. He is so for you. He is so in love with you. So why don't we, end with, why don't we stand? Let's close our eyes. I just want to invite you, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, I just want to invite you today. Just come close to him. Come draw near to him. He is drawing near to you. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads and just, and I believe Jesus is moving here. I believe he's speaking to us. Jesus, I believe he's alive and doing things. I just want to ask you with our, with our eyes closed, if you today are saying, I want to go on that journey to Jesus, and you've never said that before, can you just raise your hand real fast? Just raise your hand. So for the rest of us, here's how I want to end. I want to end with the, that, the, the whole idea of coming and going. Each and every one of us need. Each and every one of us leak, and we need something from the Lord. And it might be physical healing. It might be uh, just, some, just some love, just some encouragement. You might need an arm around the shoulder saying, I'm proud of you. It might be his grace. It might be forgiveness from some sin that we've been really struggling with. And, and right now, we're going sing, we're gonna, to we're gonna sing a song. We're going to worship the Lord. And I just want to invite you to come draw near to him because he is drawing near to us right now. But let's, let's worship. The depths of your mercy. Oh, the depths of your mercy That saves a wretch like me In the waves of forgiveness Just open our hands and receive
We just, we just, we, we, we ask you to come and fill us up with your spirit, pour out your love. Rebecca just had a word, just to kind of paraphrase. I feel it, and, and she feels, and I, I totally agree. There are people here that just kind of feel paralyzed with fear when you, when you, when you think about this kind of stuff. You just freeze up, and you just think, I don't know. And just to kind of paraphrase what what she said, Jesus has, before anything in the world, before you were even born, he created you for a purpose and he is with you and he is going to empower you and you just need to just experience how much Jesus loves you, how good he is. And Jesus, we just thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love. You are so good. Help us to overflow. Help the love that you pour into us to overflow on the people around us. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We just praise you. In the name of Jesus, I just, I just pray a blessing over everybody here that uh, you feel loved, you feel encouraged, you feel uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as, you, as we leave these doors, you feel um, a passion for, for those who don't know Jesus or those who are hurting. So in the name of Jesus, we just pray these things. And we just bless you. Amen.